Hello, Black Tribe. Errs. <laughs> Lisa Black, sitting here with Gary Black in our little hello, home hello. studio on uh, episode eight, right? Episode eight <laughs> of, of the, the Heart Journey series. of the Heart, yes. And our final episode on this particular subject. The Journey it's been into a long series. the Heart. It is. It has been. Yeah. I think it's been good. We've been getting a lot of good feedback. Yep. A lot of good meat. A lot of good stuff. A lot of people getting free, um, getting messaged after we post from a lot of different people. So I hope you've enjoyed it. This is going to be the last episode. We're going to move through the last part of this. I am going to do a uh, six-week intensive on the heart in the next few months. And so we'll go a lot deeper. And then into the notes, I will send out. I had a full-on PowerPoint made uh, of all the teaching. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to go a lot deeper. So we're going to kind of go over the last part of this last week. Well, first, let's talk Corona because <laughs> nobody has heard anything about Corona no. in so long. It's not getting old. But a lot of people are messaging us because we are in one of the hardest hit um, countries. Third as of right now, but they think we're going to surpass Italy as of today, Okay, which it is Sunday. Yeah, it's uh, it's been raining for the better part of eight days now, which is since we've been quarantined and um they're not joking around here. The police are passing out fines. You can't have more than one person in a car. You can only enter the grocery store one at a time with gloves on. Um, there's nobody on the streets. There's nobody anywhere, really. I went down to the train station today to take one of our extended staff from AIM to the train station and had to go through a barricade to get back Yeah, and explain why. And then two of our G42 girls were sitting out on their patio and the police just now in the last few minutes stopped them and told them it would be a 1500 euro fine yeah. and jail time if they caught them again. Yes. So what's happening, guys, is that they're, the Spanish government is nervous that we're going to become the worst above Italy because right now Italy is the worst in the world um, because they don't have enough medical supplies and hospital beds and all this stuff. Right. And, you know, we're about five days ahead of you guys, five to eight days in America, if you're listening from the U.S., and so you need to prepare. It, it it gets really eerie and really crazy and lockdown, which most of you are not. I know San Francisco and a couple of places are. But if you do go on lockdown, it's a strange thing. Yeah. And I think that it's like everything else in life. The first day or so is like a snow day and it's really fun and you want to make hot cocoa <laughs> right. and watch movies. And then, you know, you get into day eight and you're like, I really I need to like go for a run and get outside. And we've been taking extra vitamin D because we have no sun shining right now. So even to go out on our terrace, we're not really getting anything. No. So and I start teaching tomorrow my teaching with the G42 remotely from this very little room. And by the way, for our Patreon folks, those that Give us a, a buck or more a month on pay our Patreon platform. Uh, I am going to film Lisa, and that will be Wednesday's Patreon of her talk on fear and anxiety, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about fear and anxiety tomorrow afternoon, and then the rest of the week is going to be um, all relational. So we'll probably do some of that as well. Just um, how we can have healthier relationships with everybody, and especially intimate relationships, and what's really happening in culture as far as people really craving intimacy. And I see that happening right now all over the world that you miss touching people when you don't get to touch people and yes. you miss, you know, you miss like, I saw your post on hugging. I do. I'm a hugger. It's a, it's just a part of who I am. And I, I love hugging people. And, um, that is the hardest thing for me not being able to teach in the classroom is because I do walk around and I do put my hands on the students right. and, you know, pray for them or hug them or hold them or wipe, yeah, wipe their tears or whatever's happening in the classroom. And so I really had to think through this weekend, like how I was going to be able to get through this teaching week sitting alone in my in my house, looking at my computer with all the students looking at their computer. And the Lord just said to me, you know what, I'm doing a new thing. And I'm asking you to trust me in this and allow my spirit to come and invade. And I yes. realize how much control that I don't have by mm. not being able to be naturally wow. who I am. I like And this. that was where my frustration was coming from. Like, I didn't know how to do it outside of that. Right. Habitat. <laughs> it's 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 we confess with our heart. We say, yeah. look, my I, I'm wanting to control this. Yeah, I, I, I know how to control. do this. Like, it's yes. so easy for me. Like, right. it's, you know, being in that classroom and teaching is like it's so much life and I love it. 
but I just didn't know like how I was going to let these students really feel loved without being able to touch wow. them. So, That's or amazing. sit across from them, you know, during lunch. We'll and, see how it goes. I think yeah, I think, well, we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be amazing. All right. Well, and then real quick to uh, one of our ministry partners in uh, North London, a guy named Mark Evans and his family all have the coronavirus. He just was texting me today. They're all quarantined on lockdown. There's nothing the doctors can do for them. And he thinks they're through the worst of it. So, but if you think about Mark and his family, say a quick prayer. So last week, last podcast, we talked about uh, being an ordinary Christian. Right. And is, is it is it okay to be ordinary? We're taught in our churches. We're taught in school. We're taught in athletics. All the things that we're not supposed to be ordinary, mm-hmm. that we're supposed to be better than the next guy. Right. All the self-help, mm-hmm. all the positivity, stuff, all that stuff talks about beating the next guy. Really, what, what Jesus asked us to be and what Jesus was, was an ordinary man going about his father's business. Mm-hmm. And when we learn how to do the same thing and we're, we only do what the father says, in those times we become extraordinary because it's God doing it. Uh, and then we limp off and we become ordinary again. And we need to be okay with being ordinary. And then we talked about the five elements of being of being ordinary and what that looks like. And it was limited. We're limited as people. We're weak as people. We're wounded. Right. We're needy and we can be sinful. Yes. Now, I believe the New Testament believer is reborn. We're literally regenerated. And so it's like going back to original blessing that we're, we, our, our natural bent is to not sin once we're reborn. We're born again. Uh, but we can sin. But Jesus says, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that he always gives us a way out. And so we talked about limited. Uh, what, what does that mean as to be limited, that we're all limited and that the source of most of our anger towards God is realizing that we're limited people and that we could literally break any addiction in our life if we'll just receive being limited, mm-hmm. hold our limitations and let them transform us instead of always trying to beat that next thing and always trying to be better or trying to get fix this or fix that or lose that weight or instead of just receiving that we're limited as humans and then allowing God to come on that and being okay with that. And then all of a sudden those addictions break in our lives and we're free. Well, and so much of the the self-help stuff, which is one of the reasons why I wrote the book that I wrote, um, that is sitting in front of a publisher right as we speak, yes, um, is because so many of the books out there were, especially for young women in this generation, were about fixing themselves yes. and counting on themselves. And, the you know, it's all these self-help things are not only focusing on ourselves, but we're putting all the pressure on ourselves to fix ourselves. And that's the opposite of what the kingdom of God is. That's right. That should all come from the father. And so it really bothered me that some of these really <laughs> well-selling books were promoting more, more looking inside, more focusing on yourself and also more depending on yourself to fix yourself yeah. instead of looking to the father. Wow. So we have to, we have to look inside and yes. see our weakness See our limitations. Absolutely. And then we have to take them to the Father and, and ask Him to help us to be okay with those limitations and those weaknesses. And, and as we sit in those and we receive those, we get to more freedom. We break the addictions in our life. We break eating disorders and anxiety and fear. And you're going to talk about all that this week with the class. Yes. It's going to be awesome. So this week, uh, again, our final episode, we're going to go a little long maybe today. But I just want to hit, you know, those... I'm not going to go deep uh, because we're going to do the intensive, but because we're needy as human beings, and it's probably one of the hardest things for us to to admit that I need help. One of uh, our biggest frustrations is our parents' generation. And even Andrew and Mo here at G42 in their 70s, it's like they... They're not the easiest generation to help. They're not easy to help because they're just going to do it anyway. Yes, and they'll beat you to it. They will beat you to it. Mm -hmm. So if they say, hey, come at 10 and help us clean up by 9 o'clock, we know it's going to be done. Oh, by 6 a.m. it'll be done. So, (laughs) yeah, it is. It's uh, with your dad right now just trying to help him. Like, we'll send our kids over. And Alexis went at 4 to help him make dinner. And he'd already made everything. Yeah, of course. Even though I told him, just please sit. And don't hurt your knee. Alexis will be there. And we'd sent the food and everything. And 
then she said, well, dad, you know, grandpa, can I walk the dog? And he's like, oh, no, don't worry about that today. And then, you know, she, it's, it's hard to help. Yeah. And at yeah, 81, he goes out and shovels his driveway with the snow before his neighbors when can get there. When there's capable young people all around. So the, the, we're ordinary guys because we're needy. And many of us hate the feeling of being needy, a needy person because it makes us dependent upon others. And then therefore frightfully vulnerable to rejection and abandonment. So if we, if we are, if we need people, then all of a sudden we know those people are going to abandon us or reject us because of our shame. Then we sabotage relationships or we do it anyway. Exactly. And it's just built. It's an eight in all of us yeah. as, as humans and from our damaged hearts as, as, uh, as newborns, but as we're all needy. And the newborn baby is utterly and totally dependent on his parents. But even as the years pass, our neediness remains. We need millions of others to provide the services and resources that we enjoy. We need stores that have food. We need farmers that have produce to provide the food. We need people to run the store. We just keep needing and needing and needing. Mm -hmm. And what God wants us to do is say, yeah, I am a needy person and I need people and I'm okay with that. And I love people coming alongside of me. And then, and then that we can be sinful that, that, you know, Romans seven is really clear on that. And we'll go into that much more in our intensive that of how to determine distinguish between our flesh and if it's the enemy. So if it's my own flesh that's just coming out of me and I'm just being selfish, mm -hmm. or if it's the enemy trying to attach himself to something to bring addiction and, and worse into my life. Yes. And there's a, there's a really easy way to determine that, but that all comes through our heart. That doesn't come through our mind. And so again, I'm going to say it a thousand times, wisdom and understanding rest in the heart. Right. The heart is the personality uh, of the body of the human and it is the thing that thinks for us and to learn to live from that space is to learn to live like jesus lived and so uh so that's what we're talking about okay all right and so here's um the, i'm going to give you three very important reasons to end this why we live in our hearts here's three reasons we don't Here's we do not live in our whole hearts because we are religious. We've talked about that. Mm -hmm. We're more religious than we know. Number two, we have styles of relationship that present us from loving our neighbor and ourself. Remember, mm -hmm. we talked about the three different styles that every young person takes on. They either push into people, they run away from people. Right. And, and so those styles, we have to admit those and see those. And then walk out of the, that, that style that we formed in our lives. And then number three, We've idolized the person we are supposed to be, thus completely preventing us from living in the ordinary, acceptable heart that we should have. Yes. So we've made this image, this <laughs> idolized image of who we're supposed to be. I'm supposed to be the best. I'm supposed to be the chaplain of the Denver Broncos for crying out loud. I'm sure you are. Right? right. And then when we can't live up to those things, then we, we've got to see that we're just ordinary people. And that's the only acceptable place to live from a whole heart. And the goal of everything we're trying to get to, guys, is to live from a whole heart and it just not just part of your heart. I don't want you to get a piece of this. I want you to get all of this. I don't want you to sometimes be a person that has a wide open heart. I want you to be a person that experiences Christ moment to moment, day to day, and allows him to speak to you. And then you move through and from what the father is saying from your heart, not your mind. OK, that's the goal in all of this. Okay, so what we're going to learn in this section is, number one, a simple process that gets us into our hearts. We'll see how we let Jesus live through our hearts, and we'll learn to determine our flesh from our desires and our fresh flesh from the enemy and deal with spiritual warfare as it relates to the whole heart. And again, I'm just going to give you an overview of this. We're not going to go real deep into it. So, babe, yes. you've got this ordinary, beautiful, amazing heart. You've got all these people pulling on you and looking to you. What gets you out of your heart? How do you know when you're not living from your heart? Oh, I get mad. Okay. Yeah. I think my first reaction to everything is anger. Is, but I know it's a secondary emotion, but I wake up sometimes like ready to punch something. So what are you learning to do with that? I'm learning to punch my punching bag and not punch people. <laughs> she doesn't punch me, guys. <laughs> not yet anyway. There's, there's no domestic violence here. No, I uh, I can tell when I am depleted and I'm not filled up <laughs> and I've not allowed my heart to to be full that I often go into just kind of anger and frustration. I get critical. 
I get defensive. I get, so that's all I know right away. Yeah. I'm out. And so then, you know, you're in your flesh mm-hmm. and if it doesn't change within about five minutes, then you know, it's your flesh. Oh, I thought I had like five days. No, no, no. Oh. It's, the, the way you learn how to do this is you confess, right? That's been for like five months. Remember the two ways that we live from our whole heart is we live a constant life of confession. Yes. As soon as I say, I know this morning I was taking one of our poor little girls back to the train station because she had to leave early. One of the aim girls. And uh, I just said, you know what? Your heart is sad. It's okay. Yeah. And she said it and she started sobbing. My heart is sad that I'm leaving. And we have to confess that. My my heart, I'm angry in my heart right now. I'm not feeling it. Once we confess that, then Jesus can come on. And then we have to risk again to trust the people that we're around. There it is. That they're going to speak into it. So confession and risk. Let's look at a couple techniques that put us into whole heart living. Okay. Okay. We must learn to live in the present, present moment. Let me say that again. We have to learn how to live in the now. If you read any NT Wright or uh, some Aurora right now and a bunch of others, it's all about living in the now. And we teach out here the difference between the old covenant and the now covenant. What does it mean to be a heart Christian? And so this is what Hebrews 5.14 says, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. When you get into the present, when you start living in the present, you literally train your senses. Jesus trained his senses. Hebrew says, train what you're feeling to know how to respond and react to people, mm-hmm. to live out of your whole heart. So remember Jesus, uh, the woman that had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, and she just touched his cloak, and there right. were people pressing in. Jesus knew immediately that, that power left his body <clears throat> yeah. because he had trained his senses to know when he needed to have his heart present. And so we train our senses. We literally live in the now to train how we feel in the moment. And not only how we feel, but how the person across from us feels and what they're going through in their heart. You know, sometimes we don't allow people to do that, though. And I think that we we always want to bounce real quickly to the silver lining. And I do feel like that is something that I I do want to teach the older generation as they are, you know, they are experiencing this younger generation is we're not it is not patronizing or it is not um, making them weaker by allowing them to feel their feelings it's the fact that we're going to take them out of that present thing and say, you're, but we're not going to be controlled by our emotions. We're not going to allow it to control. But you are sad right now. Like you are grieving. Right. Like a girl just sent me a, a message. I was just catching up on all my messages. And um, she's like, "I'm this just sucks. And, you know, a lot of people are on right back. No, it doesn't. And here's what's going to happen. And everything's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to work out. So I knew that that moment I was supposed to say to her, this really does suck. You right. really were treated wrongly in this situation and i can imagine your heart is broken right now i just want you to know i'm here and i love you and i'm going to continue to walk through this journey with her but i it wasn't time to say get over it get over it's gonna be fine romans 8 28 yeah (laughs) it's i hated it when people did that to us and it's like and i do think that that is part of the older generation where they're they will just go out and do it all themselves they also want to bypass almost all emotions sometimes like any grief or any frustration or any anger. And I think it's okay to say, yeah, that really hurt. I am really sad. And then we walk through it together. Yes, absolutely. In fact, that's what living in the now, mm-hmm. in the present means. You're you're very aware of what that person's heart is really feeling. And then you acknowledge that. And you go into that place with them in your heart. Right. And then you both can walk from right. that. Not exactly. trying to fix them. No. Not trying to give them some motivation or some scripture to fix them. Right. But literally feeling what they feel. Yeah. And grieve with them and then walk them into wholeness and healing. Which I think is what Jesus absolutely it's, did. He did it every single time. Example. What I love about Jesus is he never just healed somebody. He healed them body, soul, and spirit. Right. With lepers all but one, he would touch them. To know that, that so they could feel his physical touch, that he loved them and he wasn't scared of their virus, <laughs> right? right? We're not scared of Corona, right. right? We enter into those situations because we heal people, body, soul, and spirit right. at the gate of beautiful. What did Peter say? I don't have any, I don't have any cash, but guess what? What I do have. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give it. And he gets up and his body was healed. His spirit started singing. His soul started singing and his spirit started dancing. Yeah. It says all three were touched. So it's a powerful thing. Learning to live in the present moment is totally fundamental to living in the whole heart. Most of us instead live a life according to our schedule or through our imaginations 
or thinking about all that we have to do Mm. in the next two hours or thinking about what we should have done an hour ago, living this old way ruins any possibility of living in the heart. Yes. We've said it and we'll say it again. The longest journey you'll ever take is from your mind to your heart. You've got to get out of your head and you've got to start trusting your heart. Your heart is good. It's cleansed. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Once you begin to trust your heart and the feelings, like you had a really strong feeling in your heart about something we were to do with the interns. Right. And we expressed that. And it was heard and it was acknowledged. And we all talked about and it. And we all talked <laughs> through it and it was beautiful. Where before, I wouldn't have listened to your heart. I would have just gone with my mind and what I thought we were supposed to do. But you've basically been right about it every single time because you're a heart person more than you think you are. No, I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> but know. I have to check myself because fear can enter in. And so I do have to say, like, what is... What do I need to say here and what do I need to go deal with myself? That's right. So I always am asking myself that question. That's that's beautiful. And that's what that's what we all have to do. Yeah. So the doorway to your heart is by is living in the present. It's it's crucial. Uh, Jesus in a, a fresh and continuous way, he always did this. Most of us don't really get Jesus experientially because we don't live where he is. Mm-hmm. He is with us right next to us always. And he is in us. Therefore, getting present puts us in the dimensions where Jesus lives. If I'm thinking about my task two hours from now, or I'm thinking about my failures 30 minutes ago, I can't experience Jesus unless I get to where he is. He is right next to me. He is in me. Our spirit, I love this, opens to another person when I get present in my spirit and it opens and the potential to have a spirit to spirit connection happens. Yeah. So instead of a soul tie... That's in the soul. We literally can have this spirit to spirit connection where we're thriving and healing's happening and life is happening because we've stopped and we lived in the present. It's the doorway. Yes. Isn't that powerful? Which is what lives on forever. I can have a healthy connection (laughs) with another if I get present and they get present with me. We're not talking about damaging soul ties. We're talking about healthy spirit to spirit connections. Right? So there's three very important reasons to get present. It gives us Jesus the most important, it puts us into our hearts and we connect with others in a deeper way through our spirit. The spirit experiences, remember. Remember, the heart thinks, the heart knows, but the spirit experiences. It actually can feel what the other person's feeling. And that's why we have to get into a heart-to-heart connection. Make sense? Yes. All right. So how do we get into a present moment and then stay there? What do you think? How do we get into a present moment and then stay there? Yeah, how do we just continually live in the present moment of our life? Well, the first thing we have to do is wake up and look up and, <laughs> and be present and choose to be present. That's and, a, you're stealing my notes. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's really good. The, the, the number one way is you have to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. You literally uh, have to live moment to moment. And this is not a, the same as being self-conscious, which leads to shame and insecurity. This is self-awareness that allows us to live fully. And this is how Jesus always lived. Mm. Mark five, go read it. I bet he looked people in the eye a lot. Number two, we have to <laughs> let, he always looked him in the eye. I'm but, just telling you that as a woman who's been married to a man for a long time, unless you're looking me in the eye, I don't have any reassurance that you're hearing anything I'm saying. <laughs> well, really? really? So if I'm looking at my phone if you're or my computer phone, or the I TV? I stop talking and the, often you don't even realize that I stopped talking because you were never <laughs> listening to me. And I never want to talk. I don't talk. think that's, no, it's I know that's true. true. Absolutely, it's true. Yeah, when I can see your eyes, I'm like, oh, he's fully, he's present. But I can also tell when you're thinking of other things, which is fine. <laughs> and you allow me to do I that. And then to... you say, when you're ready. Well, I say to you all the time, when you're ready, I have a couple things I need to talk to you about. And so what do I do immediately then? Most of the time you stop what you're doing, but I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying like <laughs> when you're ready, you know. Let's do this. Yeah. Okay. Let's have right. a conversation. Number two, we got to let ourselves feel what we become aware of. We have been taught over and over that we have to change our feelings that we have a hard time accepting these feelings we are aware of, but that's not true. We have to just be aware of what we're feeling and be okay with that and confess it. And then number three, we choose to let everything we are, everyone we're with, excuse me, we have to choose with everyone that we're with to affect us. So if I'm sitting with whoever it is, I've got to allow them to affect my heart as well. Here's a, here's a perfect example of this, guys. When I'm sitting with somebody who's always thinking what they're going to say next instead of listening to my heart, 
I stop the conversation yes. and I walk away because it's a worthless conversation. And we, we deal we deal with this. We deal with this on our staff sometimes. We deal with this in life sometimes. If you're thinking about the next thing you want to say in a conversation, you are not in your heart. You're in your head. Right. And so you have to stop doing that. You have to actually listen to the person's heart. Not always their words. What is their heart trying to tell you? And then let your heart respond. And what happens is when you do that, you don't think you kind of feel uncomfortable at first. But Jesus drops, it's like a, a little droplets from heaven into your heart. Mm-hmm. And you begin to say things that you didn't even realize you knew because they're coming from wisdom instead of knowledge. Wow. They're coming from life experience. Wow. Instead of knowledge in your head. And they're saying the thing, well, I can't believe this stuff is coming out of my mouth. This is amazing. I'm so wise. <laughs> <laughs> So what we have to do, guys, is practice. Yeah. I, we have our interns and I try to do this. I'm not very good at it. I, I confess it all the time. Ten minutes twice a day. Sit in silence. Mm-hmm. Sit with your heart. Acknowledge what your heart is feeling. Confess that to yourself and to the Father. And just don't be shy or shameful about what your heart feels. Sometimes right. you feel rage. And it's okay to say, Father, I'm feeling rage in my heart right now. Will you come and meet me in my rage? And he will if we'll sit silent with him. And it's not a big deal. Twice a day for 10 minutes just to practice. Well, and that was a little bit too much for me. Uh, That was too big of a concept for me. And um, I could not stop my mind from racing. And so I had to start with just breathing. Like I had to go to the very basics of just inhaling and exhaling. And it literally changed my blood pressure. It changed my outlook. It changed my attitude. One day I just sat after I worked out and I was just breathing and inhaling. And I literally kept saying, I'm just going to inhale the love of Christ and exhale my anger and my rage. And I just started weeping. And we practice that, don't we, in class? We inhale holy, we exhale spirit. And and you've got to do that. You have, I know these practices may seem funny to some people and meditation may seem weird to some people, but they actually get you out of your head Mm -hmm. and into your heart. That's why they're there. But I think all these things were natural hundreds of years ago and our present lifestyle does not allow for us to ever shut anything off unless we purposely shut things off. That's we right. have activity happening all the you time have and to it's make really affecting our brains and without us making an actual literal choice. That's why when you're, you know, I was listening to a really good teaching today and every advertisement, because it's on YouTube and it's free, every advertisement was self-help and breathing and meditation and sleep and all that. It's everywhere right now because yeah. people are really, really struggling. And so I, I just like today, if you're hearing this and you're thinking, I don't even know where to start. I would just highly suggest you go sit down in your room and just breathe. And that's usually before I teach. I'm like, all right, everybody, we're going to close our eyes and take a deep breath. And you you can feel the anxiety. You just kind of leave the the room. room, Yeah. Well, that's really hard. I mean, a lot of you are stuck in your homes with your children right now. Yeah. We have poor Ethan and Kristen and Daniel and Bex with all their kids stuck in a little house here. Super creative all the time. You've got to get creative. And then you've got to find those times where your babies are just on mandatory nap. Yeah. And you go get silent before the Lord and you just sit. And it's, it's important. Here's real quick, five major feelings that stop us from getting present with another person. We have cultivated these over our lifetime. Number one is guardedness. We guard our hearts because we're afraid they're going to get hurt. Number two, we reserve, we get reserved. We, 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 we pull back from people because we're afraid again, that we're going to get rejected right. and shamed and hurt again. Number three, skepticism. We're skeptic. Uh, immediately we get skeptic of the people around us because we think they're going to hurt us. Yeah. And then number four, suspicion. Anytime somebody walks in and you've been hurt in the past, hmm, I wonder if that person's going to hurt me mm-hmm. or any new relationship you're going to go into. And number five is caution. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be cautious. And we move slow into relationships, but that's different than living with an open heart. When your heart's wide open, you're not inviting people in to hurt you. You're just telling people, look, I'm going to I'm going to have an open heart with you and love you well. But when you step over a boundary or a line, I'm going to speak the truth and love to you and establish the real rules, the spiritual rules of how this relationship is going to work. Then your heart doesn't get hurt. Then you don't have to close your heart to people or harden your heart towards people. You can live with that heart wide open because you're confident that you're going to speak the truth in love every single time. This is the hardest part, I think, for people because we're afraid to confront I think we're not just afraid to confront. I think that all most humans are used to falling down. And I think that everyone says, well, it's not how many times you fell down. It's how many times you get back up. And I think that's not even really the truth. The, the truth is like you get back up, but to take the risk again is where everything is, right. is, is, is to it's hope again. 
Because once you decide to hope again that everything's going to be okay or that person's going to work out, you've opened your heart, therefore making yourself vulnerable. And I think that's what we always just automatically just want to shut our hearts. And we keep a lot of love out that way, but we think we're keeping just the pain out. You don't get to pick which comes in and which goes out. That's really good. You'll keep them both out. You'll keep them both out. Right. So that's it. I mean, we, we've been hurt. We've been abused, but we learn to keep our hearts wide open, establish spiritual boundaries by by speaking the truth in love every single time. You know, that really hurt my heart when you said that. Yeah. And, and here's how I felt when you said that. And be specific about what what how you feel in your heart. And that will open the other person's heart to you. If that doesn't and they close their heart, then, you know, you can't go there and you just bless them and love them from, yeah. from a distance. That's okay. That's far. But your heart doesn't close. Go. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> okay. So let me give you a quick example of how Jesus, Jesus always felt what he became aware of. At Lazarus' tomb, if you remember, he wept in the and at Lazarus' tomb, he wept. Remember, he was we he felt the pain of Mary and Martha. He felt the pain that happened when Lazarus actually died. Mm. And then he felt that he when he came alive, that the religious and the Pharisees we're going to scheme against him. This was right. his final thing to get him to the cross. So he carried all of that in his heart and he wept. Yes. At the Garden of Gethsemane, remember, he said to his disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Mm. He he confessed what his soul and his heart was feeling. And he told his disciples, he risked his heart being open and they kept going to sleep. He got a little ticked at him, but he kept his heart open. Yeah. Right. Even to the point of death, he said. In the synagogue, synagogue, if you remember Mark 3, he became angry and grieved because of the hardness of their hearts, it says. Mm. It's okay to feel anger and grief as long as you can confess that and it doesn't turn into unrighteous anger and grief. And he let himself experience all these feelings. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. So the second step to becoming truly present in the moment is to allow yourself to feel what you have become aware of. And then third, the most difficult step for most is the decision to let everyone that you to let everyone that you are with to affect you. So you've got to allow people's hearts to affect you so that you can enter their heart and help them and they can help you. Right. Right. Okay. so now what I'm about to say could bother some people deeply. That doesn't usually stop you. It doesn't ever stop me, actually. That's what I like about it. But I think we need to say it. Okay. If you are a Christian counselor or professional Christian therapist, or you're aspiring to be one, this view of boundaries may trouble you. <laughs> and I just want to say this again. I'm not going to go deep into this, but I can give you scriptures. Mark 140, where the leper fell at his feet and, and through his rap- raspy voice, Jesus says, if you are willing, you can, he says to Jesus, you can cleanse me if you're willing. And Mark says, Jesus moved with compassion, extended his hands and healed the man. The man affected Jesus's compassions. I can give you Luke 10, Mark 3. The point here is that what we've been taught in books like Neil T. Anderson wrote a book on boundaries, which there's some good information in there, but it's that's not a proper way to do boundaries. What that teaches you is to close your heart towards people. Proper boundaries, again, is speaking the truth in love every time. You have to get boldness and confidence. But the more you live out of your heart, the more bold and confident you will become because you'll trust your heart because it doesn't lie to you. Right. Okay. So stop establishing boundaries. You've been been abused. You've been raped. You've been molested. You've been hurt deeply. You've been rejected. You've been Lied lied to. The church has come against you. All these things where there's not one thing that you and I probably haven't walked through. I shouldn't say that because the next thing will come. But what we're learning to do is to keep our hearts even open to those people because we can establish boundaries by speaking the truth and love in the spirit rather than shutting our hearts up to them and and pointing the finger at them and saying, F F you, I'm done. Right. So that's the point. Most Christians aren't going to agree with that because they've they've been hurt so badly and they don't want to open their hearts towards these people that have abused them. And Jesus says, if you can't forgive, I can't forgive you. Right. And so it's so critical that we get this and that we're people of forgiveness. Yeah. This is the hardest part for me, you know. Yes, I do. Because I do feel like there has been a a lot of families that we work with that um, are in full-time ministry like we are, which we're all in full-time ministry, honestly. And there is this kind of like, hey, we're all in this together, which is great, but they have small children or, um, you know, I've always said that my biggest regret is what we exposed our kids to. And I thought, see, this is where I need to understand the difference between being a doormat. Right. 
right? Yeah, absolutely. Or, and being a good Christian. So there's a lot of times like I was trying to serve your parents and I, I wanted to be a good, you know, good daughter-in-law to them. But I let people in our house I should have never let around absolutely. our children because they needed help with those people. And I didn't think I could give that boundary. I didn't think I thought that meant that my heart was closed and I was wrong, but our kids got hurt right. and it, it hurt me and it, it hurt those relationships. And that person never got better. Right. And like, wh- what do you do with those? Situations? So the new Lisa would say to my mom and dad, sorry, we're not going to allow him or her to move into the house. Right. We're going to protect our kids first. We love you and we love them and we're going to pray for them and help you find a solution, but they're not moving into our house. That's just right. the boundary that we have, but, but we love you right. now. If, if they can, you, you'll, you'll be shocked at how people can accept it once you speak the truth in love. It literally just goes away most of the time. Now, if they reject that and get mad and angry, that's their issue. And you don't have to do anything about that. Right. Just love them, continually love them. We tell our interns all the time when they get this revelation of who God really is and they've unlearned all the junk that the church has taught them. Right. Then we tell them, don't go home and fix your parents. Don't go home with all this new, amazing revelation of how wrong your parents are and how right you are. Right. That's, that's the opposite. Bad move. Right. Yeah. Come in. Love them really well. Speak the truth in love of what you've what you've come into, exactly. and then and then continue to love them no matter how they act. Right. That's the point. But actually, physically living with people and allowing people into your sacred spaces, and that's stuff that I all teach on, is that you know there is like our bedroom is sacred, yes. and so I always use it as an, Thank you, Jesus. an example that. Like, you know, we have interns over and we have students over and we have staff over and whatever, but I'm not going to go sit on our bed with no. a staff member and have a conversation. Like, that's just, it's, it's literally a physically sacred space to me yes. that only you and I enter. And I think that there are those things that are like, it's intimate and it's private and it's good and it's okay to keep that thing that And way. you tell people that. Yeah. We're telling you right now, you're not allowed to go in our bedroom. It's yeah. sacred. Amen. Sorry, We're speaking the, the truth. Downstairs bathroom. You'll be fine. <laughs> you speak the truth and love to your family. I wish we would have known this raising our kids. I know. Right? Because we would have established spiritual boundaries that would have empowered our kids instead of making them feel hard-hearted or closed Yeah, a lot right? of hurt and anger. And, because it uh, came from anger and yeah. not from truth. And so did you understand the difference? Is I that, do. That I just help? think that's probably whenever that word boundaries comes up, it is, um, you know, because people that are that are, live with addiction in their families, like there have to at some point be boundaries where you're not going to give, you know, our son, we quit giving him cash. Right. We said, we'll take you to the grocery store, but we're not going to give you cash. Right. And there's like there's so many things that are so difficult to try and figure out like, how am I actually serving the human race and how am I hurting the human race? Right. And that word boundary, I think is like huge for it a is. lot It's of a trigger people. word. Cause we've I, not. I, now that I'm learning about trigger words. Oh God, yeah. don't start using yeah. the trigger words. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, is, it's trigger because we've taught it wrong. That's my point. Yeah. And so now you know. Right. Now you know you speak the truth in love with boldness and confidence because you're a heart person and those people have to respond in like. So I would actually, if I could live my life over, I would have kept my heart more open. Yes. But I would have actually protected my children more. Spoke the boundaries And I would have have closed more doors to more people. Amen. Actually. Yes. Not your heart. Yeah. Not my heart, but actually. Sorry, we can't do that. That is is not one of our family values, but we love you. Yes. And we'll help you find a solution. But we can't enter that space personally right now. Those are the good things to say. That's how we do it. Yeah, that's Amen. Good. That's good. I'm going to read you this. So I want you to picture this real quick. So when you're learning this to live out of your heart, it's like you've got your hot water pipe in underneath your sink and your cold water. When you turn on that hot water, it takes a while for it to warm up. But living in this heart space is that hot water pipe is always hot. It's always running. Okay. So you're you're living an experiential Christian life with everyone around you, with your heart wide open, and you're living with Jesus moment to moment, not just sometimes, not just so you're not going to go, you can go watch Netflix, but don't do it for seven hours. And then make sure that you go enter in and get get with Jesus and live in that space, right? So let me read this to you. John 7, 37. Now in the last day, the great day of the feast, you know, this thing ends with a great big wedding feast and we cover the whole earth of God's glory. The coronavirus is not the end, folks. Okay. Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. 
But this he spoke of the spirit of those that believed him shall receive from the spirit was not yet given as Jesus was not yet glorified. So what he's saying there is, look, guys, I'm going to give you a constant hot water faucet. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you Holy Spirit. When I go up to heaven, when I literally depart here in a few days, I'm going to give you Holy Spirit and you're going to be able to live like a hot water faucet for the rest of your life. Experientially through your heart with everyone around you, wow. speaking the truth in love and living like Jesus That's lived. That's what he left us. This is what he left us. Okay. This is a huge revelation for us. If the Holy Spirit is not pouring the life of Jesus through our hearts, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, then we cannot experience the Christian life in our hearts. The Christian life is a life of Jesus literally being poured through and experienced by every believer through the Holy Spirit. Without the daily and hourly experiences of Christ's life, we are not living the Christian life. Life. I would argue that most Christians, especially in America, are not living a true Christ life. Mm -hmm. They're living what we've given them as Christianity. Go to church on Sunday morning. Some of the big ones go on Sunday night. And if you're really dedicated, you go on Wednesday. I think it's Friday and Saturday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You're not living from your heart. You're living from your head. You're doing your work. You're grinding away. You're living for the weekend instead of experiencing life every moment. It doesn't matter if you're a janitor, an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter if you're a missionary. You're living this Christian life experientially. Because without that life, we are like a cold water pipe and the faucet is turned Such a good off. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's really good. So here's how I'm going to live my life, right? When I'm living my life, maybe I feel insecure and I just say, Jesus, right now I'm feeling insecure. Will you come and let me feel your security? Mm. And generally, in a few moments, I start feeling secure because I'm feeling Jesus's security. Does that make sure it's yeah, sense? Jesus, right now, I'm feeling anxious. I'm really worried about this coronavirus. Can I have your confidence? Can I have your boldness that and your faith that this is that you knew about this and you're going to take care of my family? Mm. And immediately he'll come in with his boldness. That makes sense? That, that We're ordinary sense. people going, I'm a mess. Yeah. Jesus, will you come in and do the opposite of what I'm feeling? And when he does, we become extraordinary. Right? Absolutely. Okay. As I'm living in the present moment, I'm aware of my needs, my feelings, my desires, and my longings as a human being. I then tell Jesus that need and ask him to let me experience his life rather than mine. Mm. Right. My reality is, oh, my God, this virus is real. My family is not going to be taken care of all these things. And then I say, Jesus, I want your reality. I want you to come and live through my heart. I want to feel what you're feeling. And then all of a sudden confidence comes and faith comes and boldness comes because it's Jesus living through us. Not just a nice Santa Claus that we pray to every once in a while to see if he's going to give us something. Right. Right. Be mad at him when he doesn't. If you're being sexually tempted, say, I feel tempted and call call it what it is. Because in the present moment and self-aware, you're self-aware of that temptation. I then turn to Jesus, who is always there with me. And I say, Lord, I'm being sexually tempted. I have no sexual wholeness within my flesh. I need you to come right now and let me feel your sexual purity in my heart. And Lord, if you do not let me feel your sexual purity, then I'm probably going to screw up here That's in really sin. Interesting. So do you know what happens? You literally start, you literally immediately start to feel purity in your heart because Jesus is all pure. You want to beat your porn addiction? You confess that you have it. You ask Jesus to come with his and then you start praying for your friends because they're all hit, getting hit with the same temptation as well. Yeah. And then you ask, you teach them to pray these prayers. Jesus, come and I want your purity. I don't right. want my sexual right. immorality. And then let, let Jesus live through you, in you and through you. And then you become pure. I, and I know men, including you, that have asked God for that. And women know, like women know when men's hearts are pure in that area. And we have friends that like lived in total debauchery right. for years and years and years and asked God for a clean heart and they're, you know, they're men that, that we spend a lot of time with and like they never, I, I watch them all the time. Like you can tell by the way they look at women, whether their hearts are pure or not. And it's like they, the Lord really gave them what they asked for. They asked for a pure heart in that area. Right. And they just, they treat women in a pure way and women can sense that and feel that. Yep. And so you don't stop. You keep saying, Jesus, I want to live like you do. I want you to live through me. I don't want to do this myself. I'm an ordinary person. I can't. I'm needy. I'm limited. I'm sinful. I'm all these things, God. Will you come and live through me 
so that I can feel what you feel, see what you see and live like you live. And he does it. Yeah. And he's faithful to do it. He lets me feel his life. He lets me feel his humility. He lets me feel his holiness, his kindness, his love, his generous generosity and his acceptance. Wow. And all of a sudden I know that I was born to be loved. Jesus wants to be our life, whether his life deals with our sinfulness, our weaknesses or our holiness, because everything belongs. He uses all of those things to train us and teach us to live like he did mm -hmm. from our hearts. Why I'm feeling insecure and I practice this. I literally feel confident and secure in moments because that is how he feels. Now, this is how Christianity is supposed to work, guys. I ask Jesus to live his life through me and I can do it because I'm present in the moment and I'm aware of my needs, my weaknesses and my temptations. Mm. If I'm present in the moment, that means I'm self-aware. I know what I feel. I know what I need. And I let myself feel those needs, those weaknesses, those limitations, my wounds and my sin. In other words, I choose to experience my ordinariness. I choose to be experience ordinary it. and allow Jesus to experience it with me and put his extraordinary life in me and on me. Right. And because I'm aware that I'm ordinary, I can turn to Jesus, who is right with there with me and in me. And I can say, I need to experience you right now. I feel the life of another person living through my heart. He doesn't replace my heart. He fills my heart with his very being. Mm. Is that incredible? Guys, I don't know, man. Uh, this I believe this can revolutionize the church. I think this teaching just shifts everything. This is the last scripture I'm going to give you, Matthew 11, Matthew 11, 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Mm. Remember, we need a childlike heart. Yes, Father, Jesus says, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The reason why his burden is light is because he's already dealt with all these things. He beat death at the cross. He's conquered all sin. And if we allow him to live in us and through us, we get to live the exact same way. All right. So I'm going to end this. Okay. And I want your final thoughts. My final thoughts. Okay. Skip through a lot of this today. This is the last portion here. But let me just give you the, there's seven things here that are that, that are complete Christianity. How a real Christian can, can live. Okay. So number one, first of all, it involves choice. But it does not involve willpower. We must submit hmm. to Jesus and to our circumstances. That is the choice we must make. Yes. We submit to Jesus. We're, we're true about our circumstances and we allow Jesus to come and live through like those. That. Number two, the Christian life is simple, not complex. It's not heady. It's not all the theology. Jesus is the best theology, guys. You want to know how to live your life? Watch how Jesus did it. Do what he did and you'll be fine. I promise you. <laughs> Number three, it is based on accepting that we are ordinary people. Yeah. Hard one. Number four. It is expressed through the life of a Christian who is learning to become present in the moment. Yes. Learning to live moment to moment. Number five, it's a life that believes that changes are not necessarily permanent, but the change occur in the moment we experience Jesus's life. Mm. So we just get to change that thing right then when we allow Jesus to come and we experience yeah, his life in our everything. life. Number six, it is the belief that Christianity is virtually a moment by moment experience of Jesus as we allow Jesus to download his life in us and through us. And number seven, last one, it is a life that is no longer trying to become holy, loving people that recognize loving person and that recognizes that Jesus alone is holy and loving. He does not make us holy, loving people, but he lets us become people that can experience his holiness and his love. And it can change our behavior and our being by the power of his life living through us. Wow. 
Amen. Amen. So that's where we're going to conclude. That's awesome, babe. I have all the notes on this. Yes. I have a full, I just paid for a full on PowerPoint, 70 some <laughs> slides awesome. to be done. I'm paying it slowly month by month. <laughs> Wasn't a lot, but I had one of our alumni do it. Rashida, she's amazing. I have all of that. I'm glad to send you all the notes on this the other document and, and my PowerPoint is I want you to sit in this and I want you to get this. Okay. I think it's really important. Now, if you go into the six week intensive on the heart with me, when we develop that course and we're getting close, Charles and some guys are working on it for us. Um, you'll go through those slides with me and we'll go into a lot deeper dive awesome. on all of this. Yeah. Final thoughts. My final thoughts are it's um, I would say it's steak. It's not milk. And there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen before we can really get this concept and really open our hearts to it. But it's uh, watching you go through this has been wow. Like in a laboratory, watching your heart become more tender, more open. Um, you, you apologize to me even when I'm wrong, <laughs> which is like puts it right back on me. And I'm like, I have to deal with it. And, and it's been amazing. But watching you go through this process, I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful to yeah. to John and Hillary for sharing this with us and for you taking the time to actually study it and teach about it. And, you know, we also the week that you do this at G42 can can video that as well. So people can yeah. get more. And, and let me just say, I'm still in heart surgery. Jonathan <laughs> Hansen was just here and he prophesied over me that God has my heart laid wide open and he's yeah. even going deeper. And so I don't think this is ever ending because Jesus is right. infinite. Right. right. He's an infinite God. Right. And I think we're always going deeper and deeper into his life. We're becoming Christ more and more every day is the point. Yes. Right. And so, man, I, I can't wait to continue on this journey and even bring more to it. And we'll just see where it goes. It's been one of the biggest life changes I've seen in you. Yeah. Watching you go through it. So thankful. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you very Love much. Listen, if you want it, email me, Gary at the black tribe.com. Go to Larry and Gary, Larry, Gary and Lisa black.com. <laughs> um, look, we're, we're needing to raise uh, our monthly support. We're trying to keep care of our kids. If you have, <laughs> if you're being blessed through this somehow, let us know if you need help. Right now, during this coronavirus, if you're out of work and you're in a city and you feel alone, let us know. We've got people all over the planet yeah. that want to help. And uh, we've got counselors. We've got coaches. We've got, we've got a network. We've got a great net, a global kingdom do network that not, we're developing. Do not. So don't be left alone, alone in this. Silence. You're never alone. Our please. hearts are wide open to you. We love you deeply. God bless you guys. Thank you for going through this series with us. Good job. Talk to you soon.